It's the uh, Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 83, and with me always is Richard and Roy. Hey everyone, this is Rich from St. Louis, Missouri. This is Roy broadcasting from a secret bunker in the, un, underneath the, the frozen uh, Michigan uh, terrain, because, you know, there just might be just a stray rocket that comes all the way from Ukraine to my house. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hunkering down. Oh, You're in the shit. blast zone. I, I, I honestly forgot. Yeah, World War Three is supposed to kick off this week. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, 16th, I think, yeah, is uh, intelligence says, right? I, I think that's so. my wife's birthday. So that's a <laughs> great, great 51st birthday present for her. This World War III is going to start. <sighs> so, yeah, what we, sh- I guess, should do is we, sh- we should do something like, um, you know, hey, what's your top three end of the world games? Or, you know, what, <laughs> they, there's games? already a podcast. Well, oh, sorry. Five, five games for Doomsday. Doomsday. It's already a, already a thing. You can't steal really? it. Really? Well, yeah, you know, we are going to talk about a game I saw that's about the apocalypse. Okay. So that'll come right. up eventually. Well, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, that, besides like, I think of like Team Yankee. And in fact, like late, lately, I have uh, talked to my local gaming group like, well, since World War Three is about to happen anyway, <laughs> what, what if we play Team Yankee? You know, we're just about 20 years a little late. You know, the tanks and all that are better and, you know, it's, the tech is better. But, you know. Hey. What about uh, yeah. Fortress America? Oh shit! I forgot all about that. Um, it, when I in the nineties, I at the gaming club I was a part of, a guy there had the Saddam Hussein cover. Oh really? Wow. Version of that. I've never played mm-hmm. it, but it was just always fascinating to see that on the shelf. So. So yeah. I played that one time, and that was at Dice Tower Con. The very first one I went to would have been back in. Maybe even back in the 90s. No, no, no. It wasn't that late. It was uh, early. It was maybe 2006. So, yeah, that's I've only ever played it once. It's actually been funny if you if you follow the Next War Discord or like the BGG threads or maybe on Consum World as well. I know the people have been asking Mitchell a lot of questions recently. Like, hey, what are you going to do next war Ukraine? (laughs) I guess he's like, well, I'm taking notes right now, (laughs) you know, just to see how it goes, because, you know, we can gamify these phone calls between President Biden. And yeah, yeah, so I don't think he can actually get it published between now and Wednesday, though. So no, no, probably not. Not not in this current climate with, you know, supply chain issues and all that. (laughs) You know, he he just doesn't have just a generic rule set laying around. He can just like, you know, copy and paste unit names and stuff into it. It's weird. I think he actually puts work into that. I think it's more than just like photocopying the map from the encyclopedia. (laughs) Yeah. Control C, control V, you know. Yeah. Oh, I can really appreciate that. Good. All right. So, uh, are there any like Valentine's Day games? Anything that you would say is like Valentine's Day? Love letter, yeah. Okay, it's kind of a what do you call it? Social deduction. Yeah, I've never played it, but I think it is. Yeah, I think every round you get a roll that says like I'm. Oh, go ahead. I, I was gonna say, please tell me the way it works is you're getting creepy PMs and you're trying to figure out who it is. (laughs) <laughs> that sh- that should be love letter 2022 is you know yeah. you deduce the creepy pms and yeah i think he could uh throw marrying mr darcy in there too okay oh, yeah uh, what's uh, pride and prejudice right 
I think that's yeah, what that's it. I yeah. haven't played that one either, but I've heard about okay. it. Okay. He's like basically your family sucks and uh and but you're cute and I'm rich as hell. So let's do this. <laughs> so, you know, that's basically how it works. What about uh the the fifty shades of gray board game? <laughs> I don't know. That's weird. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that that's actually a thing, but I'm sure that somebody has somewhere in some some kink club, somebody has come up with that game. I mean, I feel like that would be can you know something to gamify, but I don't know how you would. I've you know honestly, I've heard like just terrible stuff like about it, you know, as, as to it, how how it is versus how things really are. But it's probably a much conversion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that made me laugh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I, I cannot get that out of my mind now. Munchkin, Fifty Shades of Grey. There should surely be a thing. That's hysterical. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Look, if we were a giant podcast, you know, there'd be like fifteen people doing like art for that, and they would post that. That'd be hysterical. Anyway. So, um. Plugging the Siege of Vicksburg. Um, it's still coming in October, and uh, this month in February is my birthday month. You can attend all weekend long for forty bucks. I have this link to the show notes, or you can attend just Saturday, which is the most popular day, I think, for like thirty. So you know, there's that. And then this Saturday, my birthday, the nineteenth. I am hosting slash participating in a saga tournament, and that's really cool. And so um, this is where I kind of, you know, this month is where I bang the drum, you know, like, hey, it helps with hosting costs and whatever. So I'll plug our Patreon and um, or, yeah, just buy a weekend pass for Siege of Pittsburgh. That'd be really cool. And the only other thing was. CoastCon, 1st of March, we, uh, the Siege of Vicksburg is hosting a uh, Flames of War tournament and a Bolt Action tournament. So there you go. Just get through all that, and that's what you got and what you can do. So, so we could get to the real subject of this show. Um, I was part of a disturbing series of uh, text messages recently. <laughs> Wow. They, were, they were disturbing and you know this is how you're gonna play us yes. you can't shame me yeah it was like we were talking about the book above a fet and roy chimed in about like you know i really like you know how the the robot is voiced by matt barry and then richard said the most horrible thing i've ever heard he said who is matt barry and I, I was like, that. and I stand by that. I, I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, okay, fine. The next step, the next show we do is nothing, but it's all Matt Berry all the time. And uh, Roy coined uh, comb, C-O-M-B, chance of Matt Berry. So yep, that, that's, that's right. what, Yeah. So I, if, you, if you tuned in today, hear about board games, uh, go ahead and skip to the next episode because we're going to spend about 45 minutes to an hour on Matt Berry now. No, it's it's like, listen, <laughs> be educated. You know, this is he's fantastic. Look, OK, if you don't know who he is, it's, it's like the very first. I, and I'll just go in kind of like chronological order myself, how I discovered how great he was. There was this cute redheaded girl I was dating at the time, and she turned me on to uh, the IT crowd. 
And See, I've heard of that show. I've just never seen it. Well, it, and, you know, if you look at it and you look at the people that are in it, you'll you'll recognize them because, I mean, one of them is sure, the guy with the crazy hair. Yes. Richard A. Yo, ever how you Richard unpronounceable last name. Mm-hmm. So there's him. And then there's Chris O'Dowd, who's gotten he's done a lot. He's gotten into like the romantic comedy genre. And he's kind of you, you. He pops up in a few Marvel movies. I think in Thor, I think. But um, look, if you've ever been interested in just IT, period, it's it's really funny. It's yeah. I mean, I've worked in IT for like fifteen or twenty years. I don't okay. need to watch it on TV. No, show. you will laugh. <laughs> you will absolutely laugh. I mean, beyond maybe because it starts on like uh, I think two thousand six. And the last episode was like 2013. So there's like Windows Vista jokes. But uh, I mean, it, beyond that, it's not completely centered around that. There's so many other funny things like, you know, can there be a fire at a sea park and, you know, all these different things, whatever. So at the end of season two, Matt Berry comes in as the overall boss of the company. And uh, it's just fantastic. He's great. And there's lots of really freaking funny things there. So uh, the next thing was Toast of London that uh, I never even heard of it. I I mean, it's he plays like a uh, an eccentric middle aged actor who's like really shitty. And uh, he's a, you know, a stage actor. And that's that's what it is. So it's all about like him, you know, doing different stuff and is really funny. And uh, the one after that that I would send you to is fucking Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Dadgummit, that's just it's a masterpiece. Never Ab- even heard of it. Absolutely masterpiece. It's fantastic. Love it so freaking much. It's, it's only six episodes long. That's all it is. And uh, yeah. It is absolutely fantastic. And um, you've seen it, right, Roy? Oh, no. Is Uh-oh. Roy is Roy stuck in his secret passage? Oh, he, he is under the frozen tundra. He's like... I think we actually did lose him. Oh, my gosh. That's not right. What do we do, Richard? We can't... Okay, yeah, I see his little face there. He's looking at me, Richard. He's judging me. Yeah, he does that. I see it popped up there. You think he's talking? He's like, hey, guys, I'm here. Yeah. Roy, he's, we can't. He's, we he's can't. like Nell in Hill House. I was talking, but you couldn't see me. Oh. <laughs> we can't hear you, buddy. Hey, no. Roy's back. You got me? Now yes. we got you. Tap weird. twice <laughs> for yes, once for no. <laughs> I, I have the, uh, the concrete doors closed over the top of me, so. Okay. All right. <laughs> He so, surrounded uh, himself I, in chicken I had some wire just so that everything funny would be shit safe. to say in the midst of talking about the IT crowd. What <laughs> happened? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that's bad. All right. But I unplugged my, my microphone and plugged it back in. I was just saying that. The, See, that's the what IT... they do in IT. They yes, unplug things and plug them you, back in. Uh, you, have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, that did it. Um, the IT crowd reminds me of Seinfeld in a way. And I think that, uh, what's his name, Graham Linehan, he might have worked on on Seinfeld, but I'm not for sure about that. Okay, I could I guess see it that. Wasn't, I guess it wasn't that funny. 
No, it's still great though. All right, have, have you? Have you? You're seen, humoring me. Have you seen uh Dark Place? Garth Brooks. I have Dark not. Place? No. Fuck. What is wrong with the people I have a show with? We don't have enough time to watch all this TV where you play games, unlike you. Is that Jim Jones on the (laughs) cover of the, on the, the link? I don't know. Look, (laughs) It sure looks like Jim Jones to me. I, I I don't know. It's yeah. I'm just, I'm just son. I'm disappointed. Rich, we broke him. Uh, I know. No, no, no. no. Okay. So, all right. I'll, you know, I'll have all this link to the show notes. Hello. Now I lost Adam. (laughs) We're doing great tonight. (laughs) Okay, you're back. You goddamn nerds should be watching the the Super Bowl. And Adam's gone. (laughs) Yeah, we should talk about that. It is in the we're we're recording this. Yes, we're we're sacrificing for you guys in the middle of the Super Bowl. I actually would like to know what the ratings are going to be here in St. Louis. I mean, a lot of people watch it just because you know it's the Super Bowl and they go to parties and eat food. But uh, here in St. Louis. Obviously, a lot of people are really ticked off at the NFL and the fact that the Rams are playing in the Super Bowl. I I'd, I would be really interested to see how many people are completely ignoring it. Hmm. So, um, so uh, treat me like somebody who's like, you know, know that the football is kind of oblong and kind of. OK, know. so the Rams, uh, they were originally the lo- well. They they were all over the place. They started in Cleveland, I think. But for a long time, they were the Los Angeles Rams. They uh-huh. moved to St. Louis uh, about. Uh, I can't remember exactly 20, 25 years ago, they were here for like 15 years and then they moved back to LA. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a whole thing about the way they moved back to LA. They basically, they cheated about their own relocation rules and everything. And they, they lied about a bunch of things and it ended up the Rams had to pay the city of St. Louis just a couple of months ago, $790 million. And I think it would have been a lot higher if it had gone to court. So Oh, wow. Um, just the, the owner of the Rams really screwed the city of St. Louis over. I mean, I understand why he took the team there because LA is a bigger market, but the mm-hmm. way they did it left a lot of people really angry. Oh, all right. So, so I don't, oh, there is. Oh, well, yeah, I, sorry. I was getting bitched at. Um, so, oh. um, I don't remember the St. Louis Rams. Oh yeah. They're fifth. I mean, we won a Super Bowl here. <laughs> A superb, you got a superb owl there. That's right, they did. Nice. I was okay. at the uh, the NFC Championship game. Actually, it was a good game. Fancy. No. Okay. Wow. All right. And uh, yeah, who are they actually? All right, it's the Rams versus the Bengals. Bengals. Okay. Yep. The, the Tigers. Just wow. So anyway. <laughs> uh, so what I was gonna say before I was so rudely interrupted was I will uh, link One Track Lover, which is a fantastic uh, '80s throwback song uh, done by Matt Barry for Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It's it's fantastic. Um, I, I've heard Part Time Lover. And yeah, true. Well, and, you know, like One the, Track Lover. It is very much like a. Um, you know, like an ebony and ivory kind of thing, because Richard Iowati is in there too. Yes, he does a he does a rap, and <laughs> it's fantastic. All right, and so the one thing you will absolutely know Matt Berry from is what we do in Shadows on okay. FX. This one I have heard of, I have not seen, but it's actually okay. it, this one is on my short list of shows that I want to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's based on the uh, the movie, right? And which, I have seen the movie. Okay, yeah, the um. The the characters from the movie actually do um, cameos throughout the 
Oh, do the, they? Okay. The TV show, so you know you'll see that, but it is a different set of characters, and it is absolutely fantastic. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and Taiko Atiti, I thought he was on the show, but he's he's the writer of the show, I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And like I said, he you know he does cameos in there. He's in there, yeah. but yeah. And um, so, yeah, I guess the only other Matt Berry thing is, and look, I was very surprised to learn this. He has a huge music career, successful career. And um, yeah. Good for him. I, and uh, I'll have that linked in the show notes. And, you know, it would be fun to see him on um, Ted Lasso. I think he'd, uh, you know, some smarmy friend of, of somebody. Uh, I guess so. I mean, Ted Lasso is one of those things that, like, I tried to get into, and I'm like, you know what? This is too positive and wholesome. <laughs> I I need him saying, like, you know, bad things, and I need bad things to happen, and like, yeah, this is too wholesome for me. I can't I can't get with this. So, well, you, just, you haven't met Led Tasso. That's his yeah. his alter ego. I I think I tried like um, <laughs> three or four episodes and just could not get into it. I mean, I know everybody you know thinks it's like the greatest thing ever but you know mm-hmm. i tried i tried That's couldn't okay. get into it so it's okay uh-huh. it doesn't make me a bad person so uh speaking of bad people uh roy what's the, <laughs> what, what's the crew uh so i talked about the crew before it is a uh it's a trick-taking game but it's cooperative and so there there's um the quest for Planet Nine is the first one, and then the quest for the Lost Continent, something like that. Um, so there's 50 different missions, and each one's a little bit different in how you win it. So like the first uh, game is just like you gotta take one trick. You get you know this person has to take the blue nine or something. Um, so pretty easy. But as you as you go up through the levels, and I think I'm at about level 37 right now in a row. Um, <laughs> and um, I hear you. <laughs> and so, like now, it's like okay, you have to take five tricks, but the commander, who is the the start player, um, has to take the first one and the last one. Um, so there's a bunch of different, you know, kind of esoteric rules, and they're each scenario is a little bit different, a little bit harder. So, and I have no idea what's in level fifty, um, but it's a trick taking game. So it's played with uh, cards one through nine, and well, for three players, it's three colors, and so you um, basically have to fulfill the um, the mission requirements to pass on to the next one. So how do you get the missions? Is that like a separate deck of cards or what? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there's like a mission ledger. Okay, and you but but you don't know what it is until you pass the previous level. Well, you could, but I don't have a hard copy of it. I play it on BGA. I, uh-huh, I play it on BGA. Okay. Gotcha. So, but I know people that have, uh, I think, have both copies of it, in you know, both uh, yeah. in hand. So then uh, I've been playing Terra Mystica on BGA. I think I'm involved in about three or four games of that right now. Um, I'm kind of getting tired of that, so I think I'm going to, any more uh, play requests, I'm going to decline. Um I, uh, How many games Jaws- at What's a that? time? Do you limit yourself to like a certain number of games per time at a time? It's usually less than 10. Okay. Mine usually, is usually, usually less about than eight. that. Usually okay. I stick to like four-ish. Ah. Just because I, I see- find that unless, you know, especially if you're playing like 
once a day or once every other day. I just, I, I log into the game. I'm like, oh, it's my turn. And I don't really know what happened. I lose the flow of it if I have too many games. Yeah. Well, and then I see some people are playing like 99 games. <laughs> I know it's crazy. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how you do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's usually between about, it goes down as low as four and maybe as high as nine. Yeah. Because of precisely what you say, like, or what you said, is that like, uh, well, okay, so I'm playing this faction in Terra Mystica, and I'm playing a different <laughs> yeah. faction in, in Terra Mystica. So it's your turn. And what was I trying to do? Did I want right. to build an academy or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then I've been playing Jaws of the Lion. And um, so are we going to talk about 3D printing? Uh, you sure can if you want. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you did last week. I know. Okay. I started the trend. Okay. I'm a trendsetter. Um, so Gloomhaven is notorious for um, bullshit being difficult to organize. <laughs> bullshit? Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Don't listen sorry. to Adam. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, I was just saying. Oh, hang on just a minute. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's a Richard, Russian helicopter. They're invading. What? Richard, what's going Wolverines! on? Wolverines! My apologies. That was the dehumidifier behind me. Okay, I was wondering if it was like a tunneling device. Somebody is <laughs> coming coming through, and I don't know. Just yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, so Jaws of the Lion or Gloomhaven is notoriously difficult to um, to organize and keep organized. Absolutely. And there are some wonderful uh, 3D print files out there. Nice. And you know, if you don't have a 3D printer. I think I knew who can print them for you. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit later. Yes, because uh, now's not the time for a segue. We have to work on no. that. It, it so, out. yeah, anyway, I've been playing Jaws of the Lion. Uh, I played, it's been a long time since I played a game of Dice Hospital in which you you run a little hospital and you recruit specialists and build rooms and the um, the patients that come in are dice. And if as you treat them, they, they roll upwards until they get to a seven and then they're discharged. Or they roll down past a one and then they die. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a game. It's kind of a worker placement, I guess, uh, where you're treating uh, patients in your hospital. And then uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? I want to talk about two other games that I started playing on um, Board Game Arena, and that's Tapestry. And yeah, I saw that's on there now too. Damn it! What's the other one? Um, well, anyway, so yeah, I've been playing Tapestry, and I've just barely started that. I don't very much know very much about it yet. Um, so we'll just skip the other one. Um, then I've been playing, uh, or my wife got a copy of a game called The Mind, which she found it on clearance at Target or something. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's a it's a cooperative game wherein you have the number of lives is the number of players. And so like the first round you get one card, it has a number on it. And you, without communicating to anybody, have to lay them down in order from lowest to highest. So you get four cards, you look at your card. Well, I have an 80, so I probably ought to wait. But, you know, let's say that you have a 40. Well, that's kind of a little dicey as far as whether you ought to lay that down or when you should lay it down. And I think in later rounds, you end up with more cards and then you can spend cards. Uh, there's a shuriken card, you know, like a throwing star. 
which will allow you a to ninja um, star. save a life. Yeah. Um, so I haven't played this game yet, but it looks in- intriguing. Um, and then finally, I've been, I've, I want to get back into Star Wars Legion. I kind of I haven't been playing for months and months and months, and I kind of decided that uh, I want to uh, make some terrain and have some very, very nice, very, very nice terrain. And uh, from watching uh, the book of Boba Fett, there's a <laughs> lot of good inspiration for architecture there. So that's so funny you say that. As my 12-year-old and I were watching the last episode of Book of Boba Fett, we both said, we need to play Star Wars Legion again. <laughs> yeah. And you can, I can imagine playing on that terrain. Yeah. And it could be awesome. Those tight, tight streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I've been trying to get back into it for a couple weeks now. Um, uh, local scenes kind of died down. Mm-hmm. It hasn't died. I, th- I think the main problem is is we stopped having a monthly tournament. So, you know, people are kind of less motivated to come out. And, uh, I mean, I've, I've talked to various people and, you know, people are like, well, it was too, you know, uh, tournament focused and we want to play more casual. And so that's why we quit playing. And, uh, I don't know, but I, know I, mean, I can of- see that because eventually you're going to start to get in a, a meta for almost all those games. But a lot of the time people just want to play fun, almost jokey lists. And if, if the community doesn't support that, then they're just, you know, they're not going to be able to do that. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, I I know a lot of cool stuff has come out for it, you know, in the past year. I have one of those vans, you know, I, I want to. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, I want to put that down. Mystery and, machine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the uh, the Empire version. Oh, yeah, I got my two um, ATSTs back from the painter. And I really want to do, you know, the two ATST lists. So. Mm-hmm. That's know. old school. That's like for when it first came out. But uh, the weird thing is, is like there's been a sudden reinterest locally in X-Wing. I think it's because really? of the re- because of the releases. And so everybody's like, you know, digging out of their closet and dusting off this, you know, old list and stuff. And I think we actually have a tournament scheduled in a, two weeks I think so. There's been a lot of focus on that. So eh, I don't know. It, it'll happen, you know, sooner or later. But I'm also there. I have an Ender three, and uh, yeah. Oh look, it the 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 last piece of terrain I did that was like 21 hours. I felt like was so small. I was like, this cost. This was 21 hours, really. Yeah. This little this piece of shit that I printed, so, but you know, I don't know, just me. So whatever. All right. Uh, is it to me? What have I been playing? Um, I had that saga tournament this um Saturday. Excited for it. I've got some nice um drinking horns. You know, I've been enjoying Vikings on Hulu. And like I said, if you've never watched, you don't have to watch Vikings. But you absolutely need to watch Norseman, which I think is on Netflix, is fucking fantastic. Uh, played a tournament for Conquest last weekend and did poorly. And, uh, oh yeah, I got into Flesh and Blood, the uh, 
CCG, and that's been really interesting. So, um, gonna kind of follow that. I think I'll actually uh, ordered a box, and I was going to open it up, you know, streaming. Oh yeah, that does remind me. Like last night, I played a game of Warline, and oh, yeah, yeah, and we tried play. to play. On on like tabletop simulator or yes, all okay. tabletop simulator. We tried to stream it and it failed, and I have no idea why. So I felt really bad for uh, LJ Play, who's mm-hmm. been a big fan of the show, and uh, yeah. I mean I had a really good time. I got like way into it, and uh, yeah, and we just realized like in the middle of it that. I was using OBS, which is open broadcast software, and trying to get it to stream out, and it wasn't. And then he tried it from his end, and it wasn't working either, and no idea what's going on there. So, sorry. But uh, it's a, he's, he's bringing it to Kickstarter, I think, in about a month. And, um, yeah, we'll cover it more. I'll have him try to have him on the show to talk about it. And uh, yeah, because I, I mean, I had a lot, lot of fun playing it. One of the things I really enjoyed was it's not a hex-based game; it's a square-based game. Right. So, yeah, just just kind of neat. So has he has he made significant changes to the game? That I couldn't tell you for okay. sure. Did are are you did you play it? You know way long time ago or yeah i played it with him i think like before his first kickstarter okay and you were like fuck this this is terrible or what, no what i had it backed but the kickstarter it didn't meet its goal or whatever and he yeah. pulled it so me, yeah. me too me too yeah i backed it but all right so um you know what maybe i'll try to arrange you know a tabletop simulator youtube play since you know i mean look i'm the worst the absolute worst to you know play against especially in something new because i'm just you know i'm ah i'm like your friendly dog that you know as long (laughs) as long as you pay attention to me i'm just happy and i you know i love you i'm happy to be here you just glance at me once in a while it's great you know so i'm i'm terrible at like being a uh constructive like well okay this happens here well that doesn't sound very you know good why do you use this mechanic you know i would never be that person who who could do that so yeah so i mean maybe i could work out something where like next time where you two play and i just observe oh yeah and i could also like you know critique it that's always been the joke at my local club is like you know you're the asshole if you walk up to you know, two people are playing something and you go, ooh, ooh. <laughs> are you sure? Ooh, you, ooh oh, I can't, ooh, no. I can't oh, believe you did that. Oh my gosh, you really? Know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he's 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 a great guy and I hope he does well with the, uh, the Kickstarter. We'll cover it more on it. But uh, I think the only other thing is I am part of a Blood Bowl uh, league. Uh, which is not based out of my friendly local game store, which is interesting politically. So, uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it really is. It's, I don't know how to explain this to, to people. Look, okay, if you, I, I would say if you are young, 
you generally don't have a sense of the quote unquote politics of your local store. But the older you get, the more in tune you are to it. So it's really weird because it's like this. Uh, we kicked off this league at my at my local store. And but there is another store slash restaurant where they are hosting a tournament next month. And they're mad about we they, the league kicked off at the local store. And I just thank God I'm not involved in any of this except as a player. You know, again, I'm your dog that's just happy to see you when you come home, you know, from work. I'm wagging my tail, you know, take me outside and throw the ball. That's that's all, all I want to be. I don't want to make these decisions that piss people off and, and whatever. But it's it's just funny to me. So, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, because I, I hate it. Because again, I'm just your your loyal dog. Because I say, oh, both people are good. Richard and Roy are good. I could never choose between the two. You know, just me. It's like, well, we're getting divorced. Which one do you want? Oh no, I don't. I don't know. I can't choose. Yeah, Mom, mommy and daddy are fighting. Oh, so I have to like you know, crawl under the bed or whatever. It's just weird. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, with this league, we'll continue on. The main reason why I joined it is Blood Bowl is a hell of a lot of fun. And I get guaranteed one game per week. So I think we will. I think we're I think it's four or five weeks. And then they're going to take a break and do another league. And then I talked them into doing the championship at uh, Siege of Vicksburg. So, yay. So yeah, yeah. All right, Richard, who doesn't know who Matt Berry is, but knows who Men of Iron Battles are, tell me about that. I know who Men of Iron. Yeah, I've been playing. uh, It's a GMT game. It's actually three games in one called the. It's the the Men of Iron Tri Pack. It's I think it's it's Men of Iron Infidel and what's the other one I share? Oh, Blood and Roses. They're all like medieval uh, tactical games war games sex encounter um so, but yeah you you would say that's different from guns and roses yes it is different from guns and roses I would okay say so that, this is yeah. pre-gunpowder this is blood and roses versus guns is, and, well okay. actually i think in some of the later battles i think they do have some early guns okay did so they have maybe like, it's blood and guns and roses do they have like a really banging soundtrack do we know no, okay. I'm no, gonna show. I haven't checked it out. I'm sorry. But anyway, it's uh yeah, it's it's a bunch of medieval battles. It's there's a whole lot of game in this box. It's it's kind of cool. It's a system uh you know, the system covers all the games, but they're all pretty different. And every single battle, every scenario in the game has two or three pages of or one or two pages of its own special rules and everything. So it's almost like a box full of like 30 magazine games is what it feels like. And it's pretty cool. I've played a couple of them so far and I'm enjoying it. Designed by Richard Berg. That's right. Richard Berg, the one and only. May yeah. He rest in peace. Yeah. No, it's Ghostberg. Well, Ghostberg. I think he did it before he was a ghost. Well, yeah, but he is now. He's a ghost now. So it's Ghostberg. Okay. Yes, but he's no longer designing games. I know, because he's a ghost. Well, I mean, in theory, I could get a Ouija board and 
try to design it. Oh, shit. Let's gamify that. How did that work? Like, okay, you take a, a designer that is passed. We have to do this respectfully. Like, we're, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to design it. It's like, oh, okay, he wants to do Franco-Prussian War. Mm. Okay, I'm going to shut up. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so I've also been playing <laughs> Innovation. Good try, good try. Which, yeah, which yeah, yeah. You won't have, have this on History on the Table. talked about before. Matt who... not channeling dead designers on uh, History on the Table. I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure that won't happen, yes. Mm-hmm. Um played innovation which i've talked about before it's a little card game but a lot of fun um it's just it's tiny little two decks of cards it takes about 45 minutes to play but it's just you uh it's it's a tableau builder where you play different technologies over the course of time um, and you upgrade them and you spread them out to get different sort of symbols that then you can use to play against the other players and it's a lot of a lot of take that it's a lot of stealing cards from other players and stuff like that but um very very fun game i mean it's it's like the for the most fun that you can have in the smallest box for i think it only costs about 17 bucks innovation is one of the best out there and then the opposite of a tiny little game is a feast for odin which uh i've been playing actually on the table and on board game arena because rory i don't know if you know that one is it's in that that's the other one I was going to mention. The, the okay. one has started, but I have not taken a turn yet. I think somebody's okay. taking their time to read up on the rules. Okay, so that one, actually, and I I finally got premium BGA mostly just for this game because it's it's it maybe full now, but at the time it wasn't. So, um, mm-hmm. But some other games game. as well that I'll talk about. Um, so, yes, uh, Feast for Odin. Um, I've been playing it a ton. Actually, the, the same three players, me and a couple other guys, we just keep playing it over and over again. We play and then we immediately have a rematch. And I think in the last two weeks, we've played like five or six times. <laughs> so it's crazy. And it's a lot of fun. And I also played it on the table a few times with my family. So that one has been, I've been playing that a lot lately. But that's an Uwe Rosenberg. It's a worker placement game. Uh, you play Vikings and you go out, you raid and you pillage and you can farm and you can build ships and you can trade and do all sorts of things uh, to, you know, try to... Uh, try to get points to win the game it's called a feast for odin because after the end of every round you have to feed your people so if you played agricola or caverna it's kind of like those but i really like this one a lot i like it better than either of those two all right so my thing was if it was a feast for odin if you like lost an eye every turn so okay well randomly determined if you lose both eyes you're out of the game well, you only got two choice. Okay, so all right. But if you give up your eye, then you get wisdom or something. And that why he gave up his eye? Didn't he get something for it? I think so. Yeah, sounds like, right. Yeah, he was at least convinced um, to. And actually, but, I didn't have it on the list, but another one I've been playing on Board Game Arena is uh, Space Empires 4X, which is one I've always wanted to try. I'm just like learning it as I go, but that one's on Board Game Arena now too, and that one looks pretty fun so far. Space Empire Sporax. Yeah, it's a four X. Yeah, so it's uh, intrigued. It's it's a GMT game as well. It's uh, you know, it's exterminate, explore, expand. I know there's another X. Educate. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Remember, kids, stay in school. Yeah. Um. So so far it looks really good. I'm just like literally clicking around to try to see what happens when I do things, but it looks like it's a pretty fun game. 
Um, so that one's on there now too. There's, I mean, BG, Board Game Arena is really amazing. And then the other game I played recently is my daughter was in town last weekend and she's been wanting to play uh, the Star Wars Unlock game that I think she got it for Christmas. So we played the first one of those. We've played Unlock games before. They're cooperative puzzle games. It's kind of like if you played an escape room or something, it's kind of like that, but in a box. And really it's, you know, you put cards down, you try to figure out clues, how to find the next card and, you know, work your way through the end of the story. It takes an hour or so to play. It's a co-op game. Um, and they're usually pretty fun. We there's three Star Wars games themed games in the box. We played the first one and uh, and we had a good time. So we'll play the other two probably next time she's home. All right. I've got the non Star Wars version of one of this. I think uh, is it Alice in Wonderland is on it. There's tons of them there. And there's a couple. Of, so there's unlock and then there's escape. Uh, and I'm sorry, yep. unlock and exit are the two. Um, and the big difference that I've seen is unlock. You don't have to destroy anything. So after you play it, you can pass it on, but exit games, you, you end up just destroying the game as you play it. You can only play it once. Hmm. All right. But other than that, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun. Okay. You know, who doesn't destroy things? Matt Barry. Who only creates, doesn't destroy, only creates. That is Mike at Ultra Dementia. He just creates. That's what he does because he's a positive force in this tabletop gaming universe. He creates things for you. If you want something 3D printed, Mike is the guy you go to. And with the discount code COG2019, how old is this code now? It's three years. That's how long... We have been in bed with Mike. It's nice. It's it's comfortable. We stay on our side. He stays on his side. It's warm. It's fine. So <laughs> yes, he will create whatever. Okay, yeah, getting off a yeah, uh, uh, thing, but yeah, he can help you celebrate your yes. your Valentine's Day. Yes, he will three D print whatever you want if you give him enough time and money. He can make whatever it is you want. So, and you'll see this in the show notes. It's at Ultra Dementia, spelled a little weird. And then you have the discount code COD2019. So, okay, so here's a thought. Here's yes. a thought. There are some filaments that are um, are soft and kind of rubbery. Let's say that you you want to enlist Mike to like print, you know, he can print anything for you. We'll just leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I bet he can. I don't know. Just... I, I mean, I'm sure. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna cautious... get in touch with him. Ask for a quote. I'm gonna cautiously speak for him. Yes. So I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. He will entertain any offer that you might have. So there you go. Other than that, if you got an STL, he'll make it. Or you know, he has licenses for this, that, and the other. So just take a look. So you know, whatever. There you go. Anyway. Uh, we actually have an interview for the first time in a long time. A gentleman reached out to me who is doing an American, American, you know, that's the best part. Okay, you guys are watching Peacemaker, right? No. Sorry, you got me again. Oh, fuck me. Okay. All right. Ah, uh, I got to get new. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, 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 all right. Peacemaker, so HBO Max. I'm, I'm out. I'm... It's fantastic. Oh, okay, look. No, no, no. I blame. Oh. 
I blame myself. I have to get you guys HBO subscriptions so you can watch Peacemaker. Oh, uh, all right. Wow. So if, if you want to be American and you know and you know who Eagly is and how awesome he is, so all right. So being American is important. Eagly is important. He's important about me, American. So anyway, so a nice company has popped up to do an American focused version of a miniature uh, uh, magazine. Like uh, I personally subscribe to War Games Illustrated. It's a lot of pounds per month. It's expensive, but you know, I do it to keep me on the razor's edge of, you know, this, that, and the other. But we want an American focused magazine and it that is military miniatures and it's militaryminiatures.com and i interviewed these gentlemen from there and uh we'll toss to that now all right joining me now is jason weiser who has created a new magazine called military miniatures so jason welcome well, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, just to correct one thing, I'm the editor in chief. Um, oh. I have a managing editor, Samantha Reif. She really, she's really the money of, of the operation and the, uh, you know, the business side. So, she helped create this. There's a whole team of us, really, and I'm just, I'm the public face, I guess you could say. Okay. Now, tell me about that. How did you guys all get together and suddenly decide? You know what? we should do this magazine focusing on military miniatures well um i had gotten started um samantha runs a historical uh, research firm called sjr research and they wanted to break into the um wargaming market so they hired me to do blog paid blog posts pretty much about anything i wanted to do in historical miniature wargaming so uh, or historical wargaming in general, that was kind of a dangerous carte blanche for her because I went all over the place. And, you know, um, so that went really well. And she was like, well, what further can we do to break into the market? I said, well, you know what? Uh, America hasn't had a real miniature wargaming magazine in about 25 or 30 years. I mean, not since the 90s, really. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't. That's that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That most of the ones we see usually come from the UK. Yep. Yep. And they all come from the UK. Yeah. I, I mean, I always say on the show every time I discover, oh, like you know, there's a new game, there's a new miniature line, or whatever. It's never made in the US. It's always seems like it's always always uh, made in the UK. Uh, yeah, I my and for full disclosure, I am a subscriber of uh, War Games Illustrated. A lot of people are. Uh, yeah, I I'm I subscribe to all three because well, you got to know what the competition's doing at least. And I'm sure they subscribe to us. I I wouldn't be surprised if they did, and if they don't, well, they should. You know, that's you know, it's called keeping an eye on what the other guy's doing. I don't, I wouldn't blame them for it. Um. You know, but uh, my view is is quite simple. America needs its own wargaming magazine. We need our own take on the hobby. We need our own our our conventions covered. Our you know manufacturers given a, a a bit of light. You know, and we also need to present our view of the hobby to the world. And and you know, it's just it seems to me to be a no brainer, but yet it's so 
I, I don't want to say anything other than difficult sometimes, you know, seeing that take off. I mean, granted. All right. So you were talking about, um, you know, doing a an American Wargaming magazine for your own perspective, from American perspective to cover like our games, our conventions and just our, you know, kind of uh, looking at the hobby from an American point of view. You know, what do we yes. think of, you know, price increases, and, you know, in the pound or Brexit, you know, all this fun stuff. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, we're not going to get into, you know, too much politics, of course. Who wants to read politics on the funny page, as I like to put it? Right. But, you know, we will at least explain to gamers. Like, we did a two-part piece on, hey, gamers, this is how the global supply crisis affects you. You know, I mean, stuff like that we're going to do. I mean, if I could directly relate it as a practical point back to gamers, uh, war, war gamers, that's what I want to do. You know, this magazine's primary mission is to be of practical use to a wargamer. Okay. Um, you know, out of curiosity, before we get too far into the magazine, what uh, war games do you play regularly? Wow. Uh, well, <laughs> that that gets into a lot. Uh, let's see. Uh, I play a lot of Fistful of Toes. I play a lot of, you know, Battle Group. I play a lot of, uh, you know... I'm trying to think what else do I play a lot of. Um, I'm getting into, you know, uh, Stargrave. I'm getting, I play a lot of Tomorrow's War, Ambush Alley. I play a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, gosh, uh, I'm starting to get into Silver Bayonet. I'm writing my own Russian Civil War rules. I play Battletech. I play, you know, uh, Full Thrust uh, and the occasional Dirtside 2 game, although I wasn't i think sometimes that game has a few problems but you know i'm i'm just looking for a better set of um sci-fi micro armor rules and well, okay. maybe i'll find it or maybe i'll just write it myself i don't know uh and uh like where do you game at like what what city are you based out of i'm in the dc area um uh we game mostly out of other people's basements i mean it's just it's one of those things i mean yes we have hobby shops yes people game in those but I wouldn't say it's as prevalent. I would say, you know, a lot of our gaming is, you know, one guy will be offering up the basement and posting a list of events and then everybody will be like, oh, let's go over there, you know. Although that could be fraught with uh, issues as uh, somebody else on another podcast said to me, I'm trying to remember who I've been on quite a few. Um, yeah, he said, yes. Oh, it's been at your war gaming's lab. Now I remember. Um, he said, well, so yeah, but isn't that how horror movies start, you know, show up at some strange person's basement? I said, yeah, yeah, just, just, I don't even think about that, you know? <laughs> hmm. So, uh, uh, you're right by Historicon as well. Oh yeah. Uh, I made the trip up this past year for the Historicon in November. Uh, we covered that and, uh, I was very happy to see the people that showed up. I mean, is it the size of a normal Historicon? No. But was it sizable, considering we'd all spent two years almost indoors, you know, avoiding COVID? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a good crowd. It was a good crowd. Hmm, okay. Um, yeah, it's on my list, because I actually have never, I've, I've never been to Gettysburg either, and so I, I want to go there and go to Historicon. So, and every friend that I have, uh, that goes up there for it goes to both. So, you know, it's, it's worth going at least once. 
I kind of grew up around Historicon. I, I think I'd been attending since I was about 12. And it's kind of funny running into people who knew you when you were 12. And now I'm in my 40s. And it's like, hey, Jason, how you doing, man? You're looking good. I'm like, eh, I don't know, man. I'm, you know, a lot rounder around the middle. My hair's gone away. You know, I think I was better off when I was 12. He goes, nah, you're not. You're fine. <laughs> so uh, this magazine, Military Miniature, what format is it in? Does it have a physical format or is it just PDF? Right now we're just PDF. Unfortunately, just money-wise, we can't do the hard copy it's as much as we'd like to but the problem is it's just the money isn't there and the costs keep going up right now with supply chain crisis with you know just increasing costs of everything you know it just now is not a good time to do a physical magazine to be honest i'm but, well i mean i would also argue that i uh, i don't know if physical magazines are even going to be around for much longer it's it's so much print media is just kind of going away it is. It is. I mean, I hate to use that cliche term print is dead, but it's starting to look that way. I think people want books in print, but I'm not so sure they care as much about magazines. And I think it's because it's the time it takes you to read a book versus a magazine, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot with the the aesthetic of a book. There's also like, you know, a book is really solid and can take punishment where a magazine. I mean, it's a it's it's dispose it's a disposable book, basically. So it is, although I will admit um, my wife had a cup, a few copies printed of the first issue, sort of an anniversary gift for me and some friends, mainly me. Then, but then I gave a few copies away, of course. Um and uh, then we had another limited print run of 50 to give out. Maybe it was 100. I, I th I'll have to check. But it was we gave out a limited print run at Historicon to, uh, you know, influencers and, and people we wanted to have advertised with us because we wanted them to realize, hey, we're here. We're serious. And this is what we look like. OK, I am. I am curious. Um, who? I don't know who I th I think, and this is simply my own ignorance. I don't know who I would think of offhand when I think of a historical gaming influencer. So who would that be? I'm sure I recognize. It. Oh, wait, uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, the well, I mean, I would, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to drop too many names, but like guys like Walt O'Hara, you know, uh, some of the people I know in the hobby, you know, these are guys I've known for 20, 25 years, and. You know, people literally say to the, you know, people literally see this thing and go, hey, so-and-so, is that what you're reading? Yeah, pick it up. It's good. Trust me. And the word of mouth will work from there. So these are people I know who have that kind of, you know, gravitas influence, whatever the heck you want to call it. Well, yeah, I was going to say uh, Henry Hyde, but, you know, he's, yeah. from, he's from the UK. You know, he, he would definitely be a uh, an influencer. Well, we're, we're, you know, I mean, I'm. I'm scheduled to have a chat with him as well. So, you know, hopefully, and I've sort of known Henry off and on, you know, I, I can't say we're close, but I can't say I, he doesn't know me. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. Hmm, okay. Um, so, you know, we're getting word out and are you getting like good feedback? Are people like commenting on articles or emailing or. I, you know, we're getting some good feedback. I mean, Gosh, we had Sam Mustafa write us a letter to the editor in issue two 
about the very point you made in the first part of this uh, broadcast, which is, you know, where is the American gaming hobby? You know, because he said you did these wonderful reviews about products. None of them came from the United States. <laughs> hmm. But, you know, well, with few exceptions, like uh, Blaine Pardo reviewed for us uh, some stuff for Battletech, you know, a a guy who was doing 3D terrain for that. And uh, we also talked to him and Brent Evans about uh, Creative Juggernaut. So we're trying to cover these smaller American companies who are out there, you know, who maybe don't get the nod from War Games Illustrated or Miniature War Games or War Games Strategy and Soldier. They're not getting noticed by those guys, you know, and they deserve some time in the sun. So here we are. We want to talk to you. We want to do, you know, interviews with you. And we are getting some response with that, I, I will say. Hmm. Now, uh, when I think of like American like companies, uh, there's Weird, which does Malifaux. They're out of Atlanta, I think, mm-hmm. or some, somewhere in Georgia. And then I always forget about them, but they're still around. Is uh, Privateer Press? Privateer Press, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to have a chat with them. We'd love to have a chat with, uh, you know, the the minds behind Ralph Partha. We'd love to have a chat with, uh, or not Ralph Partha. They're Iron Wind these days. I keep forgetting. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we'd love to talk to a lot of these American companies. I mean, Reaper, come on, let's talk, Uh, you know, true. you know, look, we're here, you know, and it's not just Reaper, you know, things from the basement, you know, I love what those guys do with their, with the, uh, terrain. I bought their 15 millimeter Russian village because eventually I'm going to put that sucker together and I'm going to do Russian civil war with it, you know? And that's, you know, all of these things that we, you know, want to do. And, you know, I want to see, you know, American companies and American conventions get their moment in the sun. You know, I, I'm i based on the East Coast. So, you know, if you're on the West Coast, I may not be able to get out to your con. But if you have somebody that wants to give us a convention report, great. And if you need con support, well, I mean, at least we can send you flyers and, you know, ad rate sheets and, you know, whatever else you think we can send you. I mean, I don't know if we could send you hard copies because that was kind of expensive, but we could do what we can for you and, you know, and just get the word out, you know? I mean, it's just so important. And we're trying to reach out to the hobby in other ways. Like we've started a publishing division, you know, and we've got manuscripts we're looking at for 2022 and 2023. So, you know, it's looking good. And this is an all wargaming publishing division. We're not, we're not going to do fiction. We're not going to do general histories. You know, other people do that better. What we're doing is books of practical interest to the wargamer. That's what we're doing, you know. And then another thing we're doing is we've got a forum going. You know, I I I, I sometimes swear it's the best kept secret in wargaming, but we have a forum, guys. Come on, come on down. You know, we're we don't bite. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. There is a there was another, I mean, it's still around, very popular miniature forum that had some issues in the past year, and it caused we, a lot of people to leave. And we but they, won't talk about that. Yeah, I will not and, talk about that. And and they wanted to know, like, well, you know, where to go, you know, and so there there is definitely a need for a more comprehensive and dare I say modern, you know, forum that is, you know, kind of 
uh, organized, you know, and and yeah, so we fit the bill. Come on down, take a look. We're it's on our website, you know. Just go to the community tab, click on that, and it'll take you. And there's a forum link. It goes right, go to there, and you're and you're there. You are literally there. And that is militaryminiature.com. And of course, militaryminiature.com. Yes. And I'll have this uh, linked in the show notes as well. Now, uh, let me ask you for American companies, who would you say is the most underrated American gaming company currently producing? Well, right now, uh, my, and this is going to be, you know, I, they, 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 they think I'm a little crazy there, but I think it's Blackside Studios. I think those guys are coming out with some really innovative stuff. Um, they did a game on, you know, combat on the moon. They've done a game with, you know, dead world leaders fighting each other in some battle royale in the future. They've, you know, it's pure satire, but it's so well done. And then you've got Don't Look Back, 80 slasher horror on the tabletop. I mean, they have an idea factory going on down there. And I got to say, We'd love to talk to them. I'd love to talk to them. It's like, wahoo, you know. I mean, we we loved their the lunar. I I I'm painting up the figures for it. I haven't. I'll confess, I haven't played it yet. But my read throughs, and you know, I did try it out. You know, a few turns with some like pennies and nickels, you know, just to get an idea of what it's like. And I liked it. I really did. And you know, those guys, they really impressed me. Yeah, that one I have been really interested in. I've talked about Blackside a couple of times. Uh, I've got some terrain from them recently for Relic Blade, and you know, oh uh, yeah, uh, there was. Uh, sorry. If you have talked to Sean Sutter, you know, from there, because I look, I've interviewed him several times, and I really appreciate like how he is basically a one man band. He is the okay. artist. He is the sculptor. He is all of that. Well, and, tell, sorry, tell Sean from us. We'd love to have him in the magazine. We'd probably have to fit him in sometime later in the year. Uh, just our interview slots are filling up. We try not to do more than one interview per per issue because nobody wants to read, a, you know, five or six interviews in a sure. in, in Wargaming magazine. We just we made that conscious decision a while ago. But uh, Lunar has always been on my radar because I'm a big fan of For All Mankind. <laughs> yep. You know, and that's yep. it immediately what i thought of you know when i saw that i was like oh my god this is like for all mankind that you know that uh episode where they're shooting you know cosmonauts on the moon it's like that's pretty freaking cool yeah it's it's we i saw that and i called the i called it in our review for all mankind the war game (laughs) you know i i just it it's looks so good and you know once i finally get the figures painted up well it's like every other war gamers lament once i finally get this painted (laughs) sure yeah yeah i completely understand but when you're running a magazine you know you're your painting, your painting time tends to drop to almost nothing. Your your reading list quadruples overnight. Uh, you know, I I mean, I got, I mean, I'm getting you know so many wonderful you know advertise I won't say advertiser but contributors to our review list. Some of them I will say are more prolific than others, and you know we I love it, I appreciate it, but there are times I'm like screaming for help just to get reviewers to get to review books just so I can get it off my desk and I'm not doing eight or 10 reviews an issue. 
Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I I understand. It's I I quit doing them probably reviews like over a decade ago because it was like I I, I was too self conscious about it, like how much you know, because you know the guy is they're they're putting their livelihood into your hands. They're trying to you know you're getting a free whatever. And but they're wanting like really good coverage that will sell stuff. And I always felt like, oh, well, I, you know, may, I, maybe I'm not going to give them, you know, maybe they won't like my coverage or, you know, I'm not doing a good enough job. So I don't know. Well, That's just me. Well, I'm happy to say that, you know, a lot of the hobby, you know, that we've talked, we've had a chance to talk to has been receptive of what we do um, and receptive of who we are. And I, I'm hoping more of it reaches out. I'm hoping more of it is willing to chat with us. I mean, you know, I will say you guys in the podcast community have really embraced us. And that's just something we really are thankful for. And I want to, you know, take that opportunity to thank you and everybody else in the podcast community. You know, I've always thanked the shows that I've been on. You know, thank you for having me on. But I want to say to the entire podcast community that has embraced us, thank you. Yeah, it's there. I mean, there are a lot of us and it's really weird. We all have like our own little niches and like I in doing this, you know, I got what I wanted, which was just a small cult following. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, you just get, you know, a few comments on stuff. You you have regulars, you know, I, I really like that. The same people, you know, commenting on like what you do and, you know, stuff like that and looking at you know, viewership, quote unquote, it's, you know, it's worth it to, you know, keep going the number where, where the numbers are. And, and, you know, I guess that's kind of like, you know, what everybody does. But, you know, for the longest time, it was like, I swear, like a hundred new gaming podcasts every day were popping up. And oh. now it, it's kind of evened out. Oh, yeah. Um, I will admit, uh, I was thinking about starting one myself. My wife bought me one of those, you know, so you want to start a podcast books. Um, and I read it and I was like, eh, you know, there's some good advice here. And then there's some stuff I don't necessarily agree with, but you know what? I think the number one, you know, thing about any sort of, you know, journalism in this hobby, I would tell you is just go do it. You know, you're going to stumble. You're going to make mistakes. God knows we've made our share already. That's why we started out doing quarterly. Cause I said to myself, look, if we try to be too ambitious, too fast, we're not going to get the quality I want. And I think, you know, we've given ourselves this year to kind of work the kinks out, see where we're going with this and, you know, make this the magazine we want this to be, but also our readers want it to be. And that's the thing I keep saying to the readers and to the community at large. Hey guys, this magazine is what you help us make it. Your contributions, your ideas, your letters to the editor, even if they're not good letters to the editor, I'll still print them as long as you don't like, you know, call me, uh, the, you know, some sort of unprintable word every third thing. I'll print it, you know, and I think even if you did call me that, I just edit the words out. So, you know, but that's my point is, you know, we we as a whole, as a hobby, you know we need this and why i say we need this is we need this glue because i mean look at the number of conventions right now that are modifying their program or they're not having a con because of well you know the unspoken you know 100 pound gorilla in the room covid you know 
Now that is starting to wane, thank God. But you know, how many cons, you know, had to get through all that, you know, and are looking a little, shall we say, you know, less than financially secure, you know, or how many cons are just not coming back? We don't know. Yeah, I mean, we we lost conventions, we lost gaming stores, you know, and, and all this. It was it was tough. Yeah. And, you know, I I, I want to say to everybody out there, support the hobby institutions, support your cons, support your local gaming stores and help us, you know, help us help you because we want to put things together. One of the things we're putting together, you know, on our website, and I, I know I keep plugging us, but hey, that's my job, right. you know, um, is we're putting together a, a site, a, a part of our site to be sort of a one stop shopping for events. You know, like you can go to our site, plug your zip code in, and it will tell you everything within a 20 mile or 50 mile or even a 100 mile radius of what's going on. Okay. So we want to be that one stop event shop. And we don't want to, you know, charge you for it, you know, you the gamer. Because I, you know, Samantha and I, we think that information should be out there for the gamer to consult for free, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's got to get paid for by somebody. We're looking at advertising solutions, of course, but that's not the point. The point is, is you, the gamer, should be able to see that information and have that at your fingertips. It's the 21st century. You know, let's get with that. You know, we shouldn't have to go to 50 or 100 websites to try and get a complete picture of what's going on in the hobby. That's true. And also, you know, uh, indie publishers kind of struggle to get their face out there it's it's not like you know you're going to go into your local shop and they're stocking relic blade exactly you know you've got to you find it on the internet and you know well this looks kind of cool and you need somebody you know from a magazine or youtube or a podcast or whatever that kind of explain it to you like this is how it is maybe you read an interview with the uh designer and then you decide well i like it and if enough people like it then your local store may stock it and so that's beneficial for everyone exactly and that's my point is i want our magazine to be out there promoting these smaller american companies that deserve their moment in the sun because by god they do i mean look at what's being done out there you know there is stuff out there that, you know, to quote Blaine Pardo in a recent interview, I, the interview we had in the first issue, we are seeing stuff out there now that is coming off of 3D printers that 20 or 30 years ago would have been the award-winning terrain piece at Gen Con, you know? That's I mean, true. yeah, the technology is there for anybody with a bit of gumption and a 3D printer to start their own home-based hobby business. And some of what some of these businesses are turning out is incredible. And, you know, I, I keep coming back to, you know, Black Sight, but those guys, wow, you know? <laughs> I mean, just wow, you know? But there's others out there who are doing amazing things, you know? And I want them to get their moment in the sun with us. You know, I want them to get that coverage with us you know i want them to say hey yeah we were in military miniature yeah did you see our you know the review of our product or hey did you see that in-depth piece they did on us 
You know, that's what I'd like to do. I mean, I always thought like a good kind of in-depth, you know, post uh, article on how the 3D printing is affecting the industry, specifically the uh, historical industry. Well, it's funny you should mention that because we actually are running a second piece. Uh, Michael Farnworth, he's in England, but he wrote the first piece he did on how to do the how for some how to's for wargaming and 3D printing. Second part of his piece, because we had to cut it in half because it was huge, um, is going to be how it's affecting the industry. And that, you know, that's important. That's stuff we all should be paying attention to, because let's face it, you know, I, I kind of think the future, you know, I, I know I'm going to get angry grams care of the magazine about this one, but I think the future is going to be selling those STL files or selling those files rather than actual physical miniatures. I do. I don't think yeah. it's going to happen. I, I agree. I, in fact, I really appreciate being able to buy those. Oh, to, yeah. Same here. You know, for backing a Kickstarter or whatever, and it's like, uh, like, oh, hey, there is, a, you know, an STL option, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just hop right on that. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you know, again, British guy, but, you know, I like Bob McKenzie and I like what he does. Um, Bob did a Kickstarter that I backed of all these Soviet vehicles for, you know, 80s Cold War Soviets. And you can print them in 15. And you're yep, them I, back, I back that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I went with the full stowage option. Why? Because not only do I, you know, love that stuff for, you know, about, tw- you know, 20 millimeter, you know, Soviet Sunday drive to the Rhine stuff that I do. But I also play, you know, stuff influenced by that venerable old role-playing game, Twilight 2000. So it works for me either way. And the fact that I could turn out, you know, churn out, you know, Wazes, which I really hope that the, uh, the, the that particular goal gets unlocked. And, uh, you know, Gaz 66 trucks with all kinds of stowage, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. Majorly excited. Yeah, and see, I see it also as uh, so many people are putting up, like, free uh, STLs of, like, a Sherman tank. Oh, yeah. Or whatever, you know, because, I mean, they're not copyrighted. I mean, they're, you know, they're not. So you can put it out there. It's free. And so you can download it and print it out. And all of a sudden, you've got this big force for Flames of War or, um, oh, yeah, what was the other one you mentioned you played? Battle Group. Battle Group, yeah. You know, just like that. So I really think it's a game changer for that. Now, yeah. you're you're starting to see some impact on stuff like Games Workshop because, I mean, beyond like uh, pirated, you know, miniatures, it's stuff that somebody else sculpted. And, you know, you can use it as counts as or whatever. I mean, uh, granted, not officially, but increasingly, you know, uh, I guess millennials don't care about that, you know, you know, I, and of course I, myself, I don't want to sit down and play against somebody that goes, Oh, you're not using all official pigs. So I don't, I don't want to play with you. So I would, I would never want that. So, yeah. Well, games workshop has enough to deal with right now. I, I, I'm not going to comment on them. I just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a law of diminishing returns as far as I'm concerned to comment on them. And, and, you know, 
I they have their business model, and that's as much as I'm going to say about that. Yeah, uh, in this particular um, uh, uh, podcast episode, I will be if I have not already, I will be talking about the uh, the price increase. So there you go. Yeah, but I will say this much in the defense of all miniatures companies right now, price increases are happening across the board. Again, it's it's partly the, the supply issues, and it's partly just the fact shipping has been going up for the last year and a half. And, you know, it, it's complicated to explain why, but the fact of the matter is, is, you know, that last, I'll give you the example of what I know about, you know, with the British, uh, mail with royal mail and u.s mail what happened was was in 2018 or 19 the u.s postal service decided they were going to charge more for what they call final mile what final mile is is the delivery fee they charge royal mail to deliver a package from england well royal mail said oh yeah and they retaliated and they raised their prices so guess who got caught in the middle we did yes um and that's why suddenly you ordering oh i don't know uh i was looking at some vitrix 28 mil figures for you know silver bayonet and sharp practice and you know it's a very affordable idea right you know uh and i had a definite idea in mind of what i wanted to get well so i put the order in and i'm getting to the postage part and the postage was like half again as much as the cost of the figures. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Quickly canceled that order. Yeah. Uh, and you're seeing this all over the place. Uh, famously, uh, was it Modifius, the, uh, ever how you pronounce it, uh, the RPG company had to open a U.S. store because people would be like, oh, I'm going to order some stuff for them. And then, like, it's 50% the price of the book to ship it. And they were like, no, 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 we're, I'm not doing that. So, Yeah, and that's my point that I would tell people, you know, I would tell some of these British manufacturers is don't be afraid to start marketing here because it's going to get more and more expensive, unfortunately. And I, you know, and, you know, but not all of them can afford it. You know, like what a good friend of mine who produces some really good 20 mil figures, Elium models, um, I hope on or Elheim. I can never quite get the pronunciation right. Uh, uh, sorry, Matt, <laughs> if you're listening, um, you know, he does some really great stuff and he's continuing to do really great stuff in the modern sphere. Like he's putting out Cold War Polish. He's putting out Cold War Cubans. I mean, you know, you want it. He's got it, you know. What scale are those? 20 mil. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's incredible, some of the stuff he puts out. It looks really good. Um, and, uh, you know, what I would say to you, what I would say to these smaller manufacturers in England, you can't quite get that kind of, you know, oomph in the States because, you know, they can't set up a store, obviously, is reach out to American companies and, you know, see what kind of deal you guys can work out, you know? I mean, you know, some sort of uh, preferred distributor, I don't know, something. I, I'm i pretty sure something can be done. I don't know how much of the cost of importation is going to be passed on to the consumer that way anyway, but I'm sure, you know, things can be thought of. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be an excellent idea. 
if they go for, I mean, but still they have to get the product over here somehow, but maybe shipping in bulk or something. I don't know. That shipping in bulk might be the way to do it. And that's just my yeah. own thoughts, you know, is, you know, ship in bulk. Cause I know a outfit named Sear Hobbs used to carry liberation miniatures. They carried, um, Elheim. They carried a whole bunch of British 20 mil stuff. But I, their website hasn't been active in some time. It's still up, but I don't I don't even know if they're trading anymore, to be honest. So, you know, if you're still trading, Sir Hobbs, let it, let us know. You know, <laughs> we we'd certainly appreciate it. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I would say is, is, you know, the American hobby can't I, I, and I and I and I say this as someone who's very who is very much a war gamer. I've been one for 38 years. You know, I would say to people, the American hobby can't co cannot exist without the British and vice versa. We're a huge market. They're a huge producer. But here's the thing. If, you know, there's a breakdown because of printing costs, you know, uh, excuse me, shipping costs, we're going to have to do a lot. We're going to have to step into the breach to do it for ourselves at some point. At some point, the costs are just going to get crazy. Yeah, with COVID, you're starting to see a lot of that, of manufacturing kind of shifting back here because they don't want to deal with the supply issues. Exactly. Once you move manufacturing back, the only supply issues you have are, you know, materials. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I mean, you know, Creative Juggernaut, uh, I, I, I go back to them. Yeah, okay. You know, I know there was a complaint in the community. Oh, my God, they're doing $20 battle necks, you know, in, in resin, you know, and I would say to them, look, you know, it costs that much to do what they do for what they have. And, you know, they priced it out on during our interview. And I thought that was a very good way that they did. But I would also say to them, but I would also say, look, you know, the reason they're not really doing much of that anymore from what I was, you know, able to glean is, you know, materials costs are going up, everything's going up, and they also want to focus on their own stuff, which, you know, we talked a little bit about during the interview. And that's that's understandable, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Um... And yeah, it's just I guess what I'm trying to say is is we we as we as an American hobby have to look to ourselves to provide the solutions to our own needs or predicaments or whatever else you want to call it. But yet we, I, I don't also want to say to the rest of the world, yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, let's face it, you know, is Osprey games putting out great stuff? Yes. Is warlord putting out great stuff? Yes. You know, all these companies are putting out great stuff. Hell battle groups made in England. You know, I love that set of rules, you know, if they weren't putting out good stuff, we wouldn't play it. You know what I mean? Yep, that's very true. Very true. And, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it uh, iron sharpens iron. So, you know, it can cause American publishers to step up their game, too, and vice versa. And Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, other than Sam Mustafa and maybe some others who I'm probably missing, like, you know, guys behind Blood and P- Plunder and all that, I don't uh, see yeah. a lot of... I, I, I was just going to say, yeah, that's another, and that's an American company, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't see a lot of American companies out there 
doing a lot of stuff on the rules side. And that really is a niche I think more American companies could step into. I do. I agree. I agree with that. Well, uh, is there anything else uh, we need to know? Anything else you want to plug? Well, no. I mean, other than, like I said, you know, our magazine is out there. Uh, We're $26.20 for four issues, although that's going to go up after July because we're switching to bi-monthly. And instead of four issues, you'll get six. So it'll go up to $39.30 a year. But the cover price will remain the same at six seventy-five. If you just want to buy individual issues. Okay. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's a really good value because, yeah, like I said, it's subscribing to um, War Games Illustrated. It's super expensive. It's yeah. Just, it's just as expensive as the print, and you don't get any of the cool free miniatures and stuff. So. No, no, you don't. But I mean, it's it's what are you going to do? I, yep. I don't even think they're sending those frames overseas anymore. Yeah. So So it's it's, you know, it was I, I would say to people, it's fun while it lasted. I mean, unfortunately, Um, but yeah, I really, you know, and I say this to our, you know, our competition, as it were, you know, and I say this to War Games Illustrated, Miniature War Games, War Games Strategy and Soldier. Look. You know, we could only make each other better. And I, 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 I look at what they do with interest and I look at them and I say, hmm, okay, this is interesting, the direction we're going. Do we want to go in that direction or do we want to chart our own course? And that's, that's something we have decided to do because two things we'll never do at, at uh, Military Miniature. We'll never do themes and we're always going to try and give you co- substance or I should say more content than photos. That doesn't mean we're not going to do photos or not good photos because of course we want to do both but we're going to try and give you more content all the time and that's great that's what we need we need more we need to learn more we need to know more we need to see more and that's yeah super duper important well jason i appreciate you coming on here and i know we played whatever the uh computer version of phone tag is for a while we're in two different time zones and things came up and yes it took a lot but i'm glad you were very patient with me and let me finally get to get to this interview because it was uh high i really wanted to talk to you because i find it fascinating that an american-based and american-themed uh magazine was being done thank you it was a pleasure being on the show and like i said you know if you haven't had a chance to to read our magazine please you know uh, i will certainly make that opportunity available to you um and like i said we're we're very happy you know with what we're doing and we want to continue to do it all right well uh, we wish you luck and we will uh see you in the miniature funny papers thank you thank you y'all you have a good day sir you too bye-bye bye-bye all right. So in the interim, did you guys watch uh, Peacemaker season one? Uh, I finished up the first three seasons. OK, so. All right. Are, so are there three go- seasons? No, it's just started season. Oh. One. All right. All right. Uh, oh, good try, though. All right. So uh, have you guys even watched like Suicide Squad, the second Suicide Squad movie? Eh, not interested. Oh, it's, yeah. so good. it's good. It's good. All right. So anyway, I'll take your word for it. So anyway, all right. You're one of those young kids. I'm an old man. All right. Yeah. Okay. Look, uh, as we're sitting, this is 
Sunday. I have five days to go before I turn 46. So. And yep. I get yeah, it is weird. I You're look a young old. kid. I know I look older, but I am younger here. Did we figure out like, you know, a few years ago when we first started that Roy's the older one? I think so. Yeah, I think so. So he's like 72 <laughs> and like Richard is like 68 and then Adam is like 46, I think. Does that sound right? That sounds right. OK, yeah, there we go. All right, Roy didn't respond to be to be losing. Oh. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I just wonder. I'm scared because you're underground. Sorry. I'm having some more audio issues. I'm I know you have to deal with mole, mole people coming in. We can't say mole men anymore, be, or we'll get canceled. It's, it's mole people that come in, and yeah. Which reminds me, what was that show on Adult Swim about mole people? Saul and the Mole Men. I don't know. If I can remember, I'll link it in the show notes. It was really weird. All right. So, uh, on to what's on your radar. And the first thing we have is, uh, what is it? Perkle? I'm going to say Pericle. <laughs> Pericle. Okay. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. That sounds fine. And um, the reason why I tossed this on here was the idea idea of it it's you know it's not just another like okay you play our role-playing game online through our service it's completely built around that and i like that idea yeah but i know i know i, look, I can still play D second edition because it's a book you know if D second edition was an app no one would be able to play it today you know what I mean? I know, I know. I get it. I just like the idea of this. It's like if it worked, if it was popular, you know, where I could just like, oh, okay. I yeah. could just I could just buy this and we play online and and you know, that's that's it. But I mean, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And there's always the chance that if they shut their doors, maybe they say, you know, it's open source. Somebody can develop it. But that's just that's asking a lot. I just get nervous when I see stuff like that. A friend of mine and I were talking a couple of days ago. We were in our local shop and they had just taken in a bunch of uh, second edition D&D stuff. And it yeah. was, you know, $100 here, $80 there. And, you know, we started looking at it and we're like, you know what? We can get this stuff legally print on demand from like a uh, uh, drive through RPG for mm-hmm. like $30 a book, you know? And yeah, it's, it's there. We have it. It's printed. And not only do we have a physical copy of it, we legally have a PDF of it. So, you know, that's kind of where we are. I, you know, if you're into a, a you know old school role playing, and you don't have a copy of the D and D which is a huge thick book that uh, from print on demand, I think it cost me like thirty something dollars. You're missing out. So yeah, it's really easy to access and whatnot. Anyway, so moving on, um, the next thing we have is Trailer Park Warlords of the Apocalypse, and this is a miniature game. 
and I have all these nice pictures from the Siege of Augusta 31 uh, this year. And uh, yeah, looks pretty cool. Being from, you know, Mississippi, I'm all about like, you know, trailer parks gone wild. And <laughs> yeah, so single See, I wise, told you we were going to be talking about the apocalypse. Yes, it, it is. Um, yeah. So I was reminded of when I saw this headline, I was reminded of a book that I read, which is this the second item there. I wrote a book called Go Go Girls of the Apocalypse. We'll talk talk about that after we're done with uh, with this bad goblin games. No, no, no. You said I wrote a book. I, sorry, I read read a book. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Because maybe okay. I might have might have slipped there. Look, yeah, I know. What people don't realize is Roy is really Stephen King, and so <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, look, I mean, obviously, if you look at the clues, you can figure it out, because Roy is from Michigan. Stephen King is from Maine. Maine. Yeah. So there you go. It's, I mean, it's, <laughs> ob- it's completely fucking obvious. So, yeah. This whole podcast, 82 episodes, was just a mystery to solve about who Roy actually was. And now we're going <laughs> to shut it down. I've been unmasked. Now, it's the next Stephen King book that's coming out. And yeah, that's what it was. It was an 83, po- 83 podcast build up to, to that. So yeah, fantastic. But yeah, go, go, girls, the apocalypse. All right. Well, I mean, have you read this book? I have, yes. So it's set in and around Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, um you have my attention so like the whatever the mountain is called we ride the the railway up to the top that's in the book it's become this fortified um well mountaintop fortress essentially okay how did you uh stumble across this book so i saw it in the library and i was very taken with the with the cover of it so again, the book is called "Go Go Girls of the Apocalypse." All right. So and it had all these naked girls on the cover. Well, it has a mushroom cloud and a, <laughs> what is that? A, yeah, a lovely uh, woman with an AK forty-seven. Yeah, she's got a short skirt. Yeah, but she's not naked. So yeah. So, okay. yeah, it's uh, it was it's an entertaining read. Okay. Yeah, I can see that being cool. Uh and um, oh yeah. The next thing we had, this is coming. It is coming. It this is dog. I'm sorry, Doc Fighters: Colon the Ale Wars. This is a miniature aerial combat game with epic diesel punk fighter aircrafts, airships, and airborne launch dock fighters set in 1948. And this is coming to Kickstarter. So toss this on the uh, what's on your radar, and if you go here, it's from Germany. You uh, click on saved, and it will tell you whenever it is live. So I'm gonna say, yeah. Seeing this uh, headline, Dock Fighters: The Ale Wars, I was envisioning a skirmish game of uh, uh, thirsty longshoremen. Sure, I mean, me going, too. Going at it over over beer. This is about ale. Yeah. You one know, keg far, left as far as i <laughs> yeah. can tell so you know it's it's yeah all about ale so yeah i guess all right so um on to news 
And the first thing we have is Games Workshop is upping prices. All right. So uh, let's just talk a little bit. It's like, first of all, this is a news item from the past, like, 30 fucking years. However... I mean, I will say FFG did the same thing a few months ago. I mean, yeah. The only problem to me is um, this is uh, Games Workshop has posted record profits, you know, and this, that, and the other. That's why. <laughs> and yeah, they're going to do it again next year. I apparently. know. And they're like, you know, <laughs> fuck you. We're raising prices. So, you know, there you go. It, I already can't justify the price of, of Games Workshop stuff. Yeah, I hear about it, how expensive it is, but I've since I've never played any Warhammer or anything like that, I, I don't actually know how much it is. I just Well, you should look it. at the models there at Miniature Market. I, yeah, I don't like, look closely enough because I'm not planning on buying them. So. Okay. All right, so I, I think I would say is look at them and then turn around and look at, like, Warlord. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and what you can get from another company for this same, you know, amount of money and yeah. then mm-hmm. make your decision. So, you know, it's a big thing. And, you know, yeah. if I if I knew more maybe about the lore, but I can't even I have to pay sixty dollars to learn about the lore. Uh, OK, uh, I was Is that talk- like the, those big hardcover books, you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. in the novels. Like yeah, everybody says, the novels are great, but I don't. I you can't find them in a library anywhere, and I don't really want to spend you know thirty dollars for a paperback. It just doesn't. I don't know. It's I, not my price. I'm too much of a cheap ass. I got you. That's okay. That no, that I heard, is and I think, okay. I mean, I think that people. The reason people pay that is because it's the most popular game, and that's the game that you're always going to be able to play no matter what. Yeah, that's true. I mean, honestly, that more than anything is true. It's like, all right, if you wanted to, wherever you may live in small town, you know, Rhode Island, if you wanted to buy into a game and be able to travel anywhere in the United States and find a game of it, yeah, yeah, 40K, that's it. That's absolutely true. You're spending a lot of money, but, you know, whatever. There it is. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, uh, the next thing we had was there's this new game coming out called Detective Rummy from WizKids. But I think one of you guys knows what Rummy is. Am I wrong? I know what Rummy yeah. is. Rummy is a card game. It's yes. A, yeah. All right. So, Detective Rummy is a Rummy style card game for two to four players with a storytelling element revealed in a series of seven different cases players take the roles of detectives trying to solve the case and gain fame so okay. how does how, all right, how do you play actual rummy and how would this work it's set collection so you're collecting runs and sets of cards alright so like hearts or spades or whatever no that's a trick taking game mm, okay so what am so I trying you to get, you get seven cards so it's like in a four player game you deal seven cards to each player, and then the draw pile goes in the middle with one up. You have the option to take the one up card, which in some 
cases you have to play that card in a set right then at that in that turn um or you can take a down card but then you have to discard a card to the pile and it kind of fans out and if it gets around to somebody and they want to take a card that's really deep they can take that but they have to take every card above that too and my wife loves doing that she'll take like 19 cards and play every single one of them (laughs) um so it's i mean it's an old school game I, I remember learning to play it when I was like 10, I think. Okay, fair enough. All right, so um, I guess the last thing we had is Warlord Games announces Slain Miniatures game. It is a new miniature game coming to your tabletop from legendary war game designer Andy Chambers and Gav Thorpe and whoever, Roger, whatever. It's the third in their 2080 game. It's slain. So yeah. remember we've talked about the 2080 stuff before. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, with this, I had no idea it was like a there was a primitive aspect of it. So I love this the kiss my axe starter set. So <laughs> I can get behind that. So yeah, there you go. This is coming. And uh, so. In the back of the book, do you suppose where the FAQ is, it says frequently asked questions? Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I can believe that. All right. So, uh, I mean, we've been going for like an hour. And honestly, <laughs> that's where we should be in just talking about Matt Berry before we even get to, you know, tabletop stuff. But yep. It's our spinoff podcast, Colm. Colm. Chance of Matt Berry. Ah, oh, man. If he only responded like, oh, yeah, guys, I would love to be on your show. I fucking love it. Look, I'm a longtime listener. Can I be on here? That'd be so cool. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, please. Let's host this. I'll kick those other two guys off. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm so, you know, I'm sorry. But yeah, Matt Berry is really funny. And uh, what I suggested you should, you know, seek out. And uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry. It's the whole thing. So, all right. So, uh, I guess we finished this. And all right, we're currently 8:03 p.m. Central Time. I have no idea what the superb owl is. And uh, yeah, I think a actual Bengal tiger just ate Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams. So, it's <laughs> good news. All right. So, uh, who do you guys? Who would you think would win the superb owl? I don't know. I mean, I literally have no idea who I, I mean. I I don't know enough about either team. I but, and I don't care about either team. But I hope the Bengal. I hope the Rams lose. Okay, so that means the Bengals win for leaving um, St. Louis. That's it's what not they just des- the leaving. They it's deserve. the way they did it. They they cheated and they lied. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking bastards. All right, I get you. Yeah. Yep. So all right. So uh, yeah. I guess that's the end of the show. And it's actually... going to be really upset when he listens to this podcast tomorrow. I know. <laughs> I mean, he's going to, he's going to be holding the Super Bowl trophy and he just had like a sold out stadium and made a billion dollars. But when he hears that I was upset with him, he's, I know. He's, that's he's going to bring him down to earth. He's like, he's like oh, Richard's my favorite guy. He doesn't like me. That's he's sad. not going to play ASL with me oh, anymore. <laughs> man. I was going to ask him how to, you know, learn advanced squad leader. Oh, man. So, all right. 
So cool. All right. We did a show. Uh, we talked about Matt Berry. We interviewed a person. And uh, yeah, I feel honestly pretty accomplished. And so, yay. So uh, I guess we'll see you uh, next time. Good night, right. everyone. It's time to leave the bunker. Ha, 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 ha.